Welcome to Inman Reconnect, bringing you the smartest conversations with the brightest minds in real estate. I'm your host, Clelia Peters. The first season of Inman Reconnect launches soon. As a preview, we're presenting five classic conversations from previous Inman Connect events. In today's episode, EXP founder Glenn Sanford discusses how he started a virtual reality brokerage and what's coming next for the company from the Inman Connect Las Vegas stage in 2019. Enjoy. In the hot seat. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be very hot for you, Glenn. Um, So... Let's just jump right in and talk about the fact that uh, you're an all-virtual brokerage, and um, why? Like, what's the power of this? Well, uh, yeah, really, a couple, couple things. Um, you know, I what I think fundamentally changed the backdrop for uh, real estate brokerage, at least in terms of being able to be virtual, was the day when every home in America had cable internet. And so that really was, you know, 2007-ish, you know, 2002, where a lot of us are all dialed, right? Yeah. And, and then the, the second part, I think, was the fact that we had high-speed internet on our, on our phones. And so those two things basically gave us total access to information as real estate professionals uh, without having to go to the office. So prior to that, you had to connect to the T1, all those things. So, um, so what I referred to uh, 2008, 2009 was the perfect storm. Technology had finally got to the point where you could literally work from anywhere with anyone at any time on anything, and, um, and the housing mar- market sucked. So, uh, so Perfect the, time to start a real estate Yeah, company. yeah, and, and so, so I had physical offices yeah. in, in uh, the previous iteration of yeah. a brokerage, and I couldn't afford the offices, and um, I, Fundamentally, we went back to the team and said, hey, we need to build a real estate brokerage that's profitable in good times and bad times. And the only way to do that was to get rid of the biggest single fixed cost in the brokerage, which was physical bricks and mortar. So uh, we, that was really the, the, the sort of the impetus of going uh, virtual and, and for all intents and purposes, cloud-based, even though we didn't refer to it at, at that point as that. But for us, it just made sense. And, and we didn't know if it would work, uh, but it was worth the science experiment because we weren't going to make money doing physical bricks and mortar. And I was really surprised when I understood how real and complete the virtual world of EXP is. Um, do you want to talk about, you know? Yeah, you know, one of the things, if you do decide to go without bricks and mortar, uh, one of the things that you'll hear, which is in my mind actually accurate, is that there's going to be a challenge creating culture and collaboration and community with your agents um, if you don't actually see them physically. And, and that's a real issue. So uh, I'd been in a prior, uh, prior life in uh, the early 90s. I'd worked for AOL. I'd built a lot, large online service. So actually online communities was kind of a thing that I had some, some pretty good understanding. Of course, Facebook had really shown up, uh, you know, 2007, 8-ish. So it really was still fairly early, this whole social network piece. But for me, what I wanted to do is create a sense of place, some place that you could actually go 
and have conversations, whether it be training, talk to a broker, talk to uh, other agents, mastermind, all of those things. And uh, at that time, Second Life was a big deal. So that was, uh, you know, there's lots of people using that platform. And so we said, why don't we do that for real estate? And, uh, and you really did do that for real estate. I mean, EXP is, um, you know, unlike what Josh Team or Robert Refkin were talking about, where they're creating a suite of tools for their agents. I know that is part of the platform. Right. EXP is actually a world. It's a virtual world. You have an avatar. You attend a virtual office. You have, you know, there's like socializing. There's. Yeah, and, and we're pushing the envelope on technology. I mean, the, the reality is, is that uh, the platform that we're, uh, we, we bought the company last year, a company called Verbella, um, and um, uh, they are the, the, we've actually set world records in terms of the number of attendees in a virtual setting because of EXP. Uh, How had, many is it that? So our, uh, we had over 730 people attend a live training in world. It was actually a Texas compliance meeting and we were going over um, some, some things relative to, to Texas. Texas is our largest And again, state. I mean, maybe everyone's getting this, but it's not just that they're attending like a WebEx. It's actually that they have like an avatar that's in a room with a bunch of other avatars. Yep. <laughs> um, and they are in a virtual environment together attending this. Yeah, the, th the thing, the, the comment that I get time and time again, literally from day one is, People forget, once they're in there, after about five or 10 minutes, that they're in their house. Even, they're not putting the headsets on, they're actually just using the, the, the laptop or desktop machine that they're on, but they literally forget that they're, where they're physically at and they fully engage with this platform as if it's a real place. So interesting. So let's talk a little bit about the franchise system versus a platform. Um, and you know, another thing that you've talked about is EXP really being a platform as opposed to a franchise system that you came from. Yeah, there was a couple things. One is, you know, the, the franchise system, in, in at least the way I look at it, exists uh, because there's been this need for physical space. And if a, uh, a, a franchisor, which has you know a great business model, if they could afford to have put in all the bricks and mortar, they wouldn't have franchised because the franchises kind of create this, a little bit of a disconnect when it comes to trying to pivot in the face of things like technology. So, uh, you know, if you're going to you know, tell folks that, you know, you're going to give up your 10,000 square foot and go virtual because that's what it needs to be competitive or, or lower to a certain square foot, they're, they're going to sit there and, and complain because that was part of my franchise agreement. I had to have that. And so, so that really you know, creates a little bit of a, of a disconnect. But if you think about a platform, and, and, and whether it be a, an EXP, and, and a, you, know, you can look at other platforms out there. So certainly Zillow is a platform of, of sorts for independent agents to generate leads and, and build a business. And so I really think they're a platform play. Even though there's bricks and mortar involved um, you know, for the salary-based agent, Redfin's a platform. Um, and, and you think about sort of those... Can we just define almost what we mean by platform when we talk about it? Yeah, it, it's a place that you as an agent can plug in and, and get all of the parts of the business that you need. Now, and, and certainly that's done in the franchise system. There's no, no doubt about that. But the difference is, is that you're, 
you're less constrained about physical space than, than really just getting access to information and being able to transact in that. We're, we're in a knowledge-based economy, uh, especially in real estate, in terms of, of how the business gets, gets transacted, and, and it's less about where do you go to, to, to work. Like, and, and just to, to, you know, the extreme nature of it, and, and kind of going backtracking just a little bit, is we don't even have a corporate office. If you go by our address in Bellingham, Washington, uh, it's a it's a uh, Regis suite that somebody goes and checks the mail three times a week. And you have, am I right in remembering this that you have like a, a home office in your is it garage in the back? Or? Yeah, it's a it's a casita above the garage. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, uh, and when I uh, go to work, I, I I put on my little furry slippers in the Yeah, I was going to say, do you always get dressed? Uh, um, yeah, well, you know, it's a sometimes, pa- sometimes it's a pajama-based business. <laughs> Yeah, and, but uh, you know, but I you know put my slippers on. I go, go in the uh, in the in the casita. I take them off. I go upstairs. I got my power room and jump in the virtual campus. I got you know a number of other screens, and I'm just you know I'm sort of wired into the company. And so I had Josh Team, Robert Refkin, Ryan Gorman up here talking today about platforms, but those are platforms that are also encumbered by the fixed costs of physical locations. Right. How do you think those models are going to fare, needing to invest on both fronts? Well, I think that's, you know, the, the reality is, is that we're, we're, we're seeing certainly compression on the amount that brokerages keep relative to agents. And, and that's, I think, just the nature of the competitive nature of residential real estate brokerage. And and so when you think about companies like EXP, and we're not the lowest priced real estate brokers out there. But the fact is that there's there's always going to be a, a certain number of agents that are going to to the either lower cost or or a different compensation model that sort of benefits them in a different way than where they're at. And I think that's the part where what's your biggest physical what's your busy, biggest expense in real estate brokerage? Well, it's your office, your physical space, followed closely by your staffing costs. Yeah. And and if you and, and then the other part that is that uh, if you're a physical person. Can I just jump in? Are staffing costs reduced in your model as well? Do you pay people differently because of the way they work? Um, well, interestingly, um, so we've been now two years in a row, uh, Glassdoor top 50 employer in the country. So, you know, all of our- that. Congratulations. Yeah, so, so uh, and I got the uh, two years in a row top 50 CEO. So we're really about- CEO and his jammies winning the awards. Yeah. Way yeah, to go, it's, Glenn. It's, it's interesting. So, so if you want to improve your Glassdoor awards, just get rid of your offices. And, uh, um, but uh, the, um, so, you know, we've got healthcare benefits. We've got all of our, uh, all of our staff have now stock options. Yeah. So we're always working on sort of the, the staff side uh, as well, because we want to, you know, attract the best talent and retain the best talent as we continue to grow. Um, so we're, I wouldn't say we pay the most, uh, even on the staff side, but the freedom and flexibility for staff to work from anywhere. I mean, literally I had, uh, uh, Megan Hampton um, has, has worked uh, for us for probably eight years. Yeah. Uh, she's a, a spouse, a, a, a military spouse, and she's moved five times. And uh, you know, I, I, I was talking to her one day and, and uh, I said, what, what are you doing this weekend? And, and uh, it turned out she's working in South Korea. So she, she spent you know, um, uh, you know, a year and a half or so in South Korea on the team, didn't, nothing, nothing changed, and she was doing the same thing that she was doing when she was stateside. So the 
the ability for staff to work anywhere is a huge benefit. And of course, the cost of living, for instance, in New York is high. I have to pay my staff to keep up with that. Right. You would have more flexibility in that way. Yeah, and, and, and there's a lot of, lot of really great talent that wants to work from home um, and, 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 or needs to work from home. They've got some, some obligations that take them out of the traditional workforce. And, and so, and there's a lot of great talent that you know, can't commute 30 minutes to the office every day. And yeah. So let's talk about that talent and their relationships with your agents. Because one big question I have was, how do relationships work in this model? How do this agent oversight and support work in this model? Yeah, so one of the things that's a little bit of a misconception is that the, the, the brokerage being having no offices means that we don't physically connect. Yeah. And, and certainly as, a, as an organization, we, we have two major events. So, so nationally and internationally, we're in Canada and, and as well, we get, we'll get together and we'll get you know, a couple thousand of us will be uh, across the street at the MGM in October. But at the local level, uh, there's lots of support. Like if we look at just the state of Texas, just use it for an example. I mean, we've got, we've got four managing brokers, we've got lots of staff. They're all locally centralized staff to support those local markets. Um, and, and, and there's lots of little meetups and other things relative to training and, and collaboration. So uh, it's, it's still, a, still a hands-on, we just don't have the physical space. The, the other part is that because of the way we do operate, we're able to leverage staff over a larger number of agents and still provide a great experience. So, so that's been really good as well. And you find that the agents actually experience that virtual support as equivalent to in-person support. Uh, well, I would uh, I would actually submit that our agents feel a, uh, most of them feel more supported in the EXP ecosystem than they did at their prior bricks and mortar uh, brokerage. And and one of the reasons is because we're so focused on creating great collaboration and, uh, tools that literally instead of trying to call your managing broker as an agent, which if you know, if you're an agent, uh, you sort of know that that's a lot of times uh, just a crapshoot. You may or may not reach the broker. Uh, you know, we, we're really heavy users of Workplace by Facebook. So we're, we're connected via chat, real time. We can pull people into the conversation and solve things on a more broad scale uh, with, with local, uh, local engaged support. And we can go straight from chat right to, to effectively a phone call through that platform and it really actually makes uh, the, the support more engaged um, just because of the way, way it all operates. Why do you think other brokerages haven't started to copy a lot of what you're doing? I mean, it really makes sense. Yeah, I think it's just scary, uh, quite frankly. I mean, um, unless, you know, we wouldn't have done it had we not had the backdrop of 2008, 2009. I mean, we were just, we were happy building our business. We had uh, three going on four physical offices and we were fortunate enough to be able to, to, to downsize really quickly. But there, uh, you know, for most, there's the pain threshold isn't high enough for established brokers to do it. And then the question is, is and, and, and you know. Though as margins shrink, do you think you're gonna see, do you think we're gonna see more models that are lighter on physical space? Yeah, and, and the question is, is where does it come from? You yeah. know, does, uh, you know, does a, a major brand cannibalize their existing business model by launching a virtual model? So if you've, you've got established brand with, you know, 100,000 agents, 
and you're, you've got you know, all your local broker owners are, you know, are charging what they charge, and, and you've got your franchise fee, and you sort of disrupt that, and you go, hey, we're going to go right in the market. We're going to stick, stick this, you know, a virtual uh, brokerage, and uh, your costs are going to be cut in half as an agent, but it's still the same brand. What the heck is your franchisees going to say about that? So, so I think that that's a, a part you, 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 that is really challenging to sort of think about how that happens. Yeah. And uh, so I do think that we're seeing, and I met a gentleman here earlier that has his own firm that's doing a, a virtual model and, and doing some of those additional components. But I think the other part that's somewhat complex is for agents to actually leave a physical space that's painful for them too. So the incentives have to be high enough for them to, to actually make the move. And an interesting thing we talked about backstage was um, you have a recurring revenue model. So your agents are the ones who recruit for you. Right, we have really no internal paid sales staff from, from that perspective. So we think about more of, of service and support of agents and brokers in their personal real estate practices, but then if they're helping us grow the brokerage, then they obviously uh, participate in that in a pretty meaningful way. I mean, it's, we've, we've got some, some agents and brokers that are doing you know, really great income on the, uh, the, the, that side. So they may have been sales managers uh, in, in their previous brokerage or broker owner, or they've got great, great connections, and they've, they've started to leverage those networks and, and, and helped us just, just kind of blow it up. Because it is a tough sales pitch leave your physical brokerage to join this virtual yeah it's a it's a tough sales pitch unless you really identify the key pain point for an agent and the key pain point is that if they if they're the primary breadwinner of the home and they get hit by the bus a bus what the heck happens to their lifestyle and and so there's no retirement program yeah. effectively in real estate and if you can uh, sort of hit that pain point effectively, uh, it becomes somewhat of a, uh, okay, I really need to pay attention to this because I, you know, I do want to be in this industry for 5, 10, 15 years and I plan to retire from it, but it's a hamster wheel for most agents. Yeah, but I mean, Keller Williams is also has recurring revenue components of the model, right? Are you able to offer more meaningful partnership to your agents because your fixed costs are lower? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I love Keller Williams. It's, it, uh, uh, I was there. I, I'm a vested um, uh, profit share earner in Keller, um, and, um, uh, and I brought in 184 people in my profit share group in 2006, which you would think would be meaningful, but my, my 1099 in 2007 was about six grand. So for, for me, it didn't work. So, but I wanted, uh, my goal was to just grow that thing out for, the, for my whole career. What would an equivalent, someone who brought in, let's say, 180 agents to EXP, can you just ballpark for me what they would see on their 1099? Yeah, generally speaking, um, fairly safe to be anywhere from 250 to 750 per year per agent that you've in your in your organization. So, so 818, so that's 90,000 90, a year would be sort of an equivalent sort of sort of framework to think about. Awesome. Um, one last question. You know, I know you guys are a publicly traded company. Yeah. And um, how does that change the way you think about running your business? Um, well, for a while, it's really changed it. Um, in that we we sort of went a little bit too heavy um, uh, uh, in the trying to be a public company uh, and trying to fit all the, the the boxes on that. 
uh, we actually had to sort of rein things in a little bit uh, to, be, to and actually run as a controlled public company. So I can't say anything that's you know material, non-public information and share that with you guys. But I can uh, run the company more like a private company because of the way that we're, we're structured. So in that we can we can make decisions that have a long-run implication versus worrying about the next quarter or even the next 12 months. So, you know, we haven't had, you know, our, our, our income statement hasn't been net-net profitable, something we're committed to actually as a, as a company, uh, but we haven't had to sort of answer that need uh, as much as we would have had to had we just been a, um, a, a normal, you know, big public company. Well. Next time we sit down, which I'm looking forward to because I always love chatting with you, Glenn, we're going to talk about that profitability question. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. Thanks for listening to another episode of Inman Reconnect. Visit inman.com slash reconnect for all episodes of Inman Reconnect. In advance of the launch of our first season, please subscribe to Inman Reconnect in the Apple Podcast app, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.